up citizens it's vincent jones aka citizen jones here with another episode of quarantine and chill a daily podcast where we talk to lgbtq people from around the world learning more about their story and how they are experiencing the coronavirus pandemic or what i affectionately call the zombie apocalypse so grab a drink with or without alcohol and tag a few friends on the socials to join you for this kiki and let's quarantine and chill you know you can't go nowhere hell no hello there alice congratulations miss hampshire college grad clack the fans Hi, good afternoon, Vincent Jones. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. No, glad, glad to see you. I'm looking forward to um, catching up. It's been um, a while. But before we get into all of that, um, you, you're you from Los Angeles, but you've been spending um, the last two years in um, Massachusetts, right? Or Vermont. Massachusetts. That's correct. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah. Massachusetts. So... Yeah. So, 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 so share, um, so I know you were at Hampshire college. Can you share a little bit about, um, what college life, um, what the college town was like and what the gay life was like, um, in the town and on campus briefly. Yeah. So that's correct. The past two years I've been in Massachusetts nestled in the Western mass Amherst, it's a small, it's a small town, small college town. There's five colleges, primary colleges in the area. Mm-hmm. And I was at Hampshire and took classes at Amherst during my time there. I think gay life outside of the campus is a bit more, um, it's, it's, it's few, it's sparse. Definitely. There's one, there's one gay club that has been around probably not so long. It's in Northampton. Shout out to the, the, oh, it's blanking me. Um, it's literally one of my favorite places to go to. It's so great. Um, oh, the, um, the saloon. The saloon. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the interesting, so like oftentimes in college campuses and college towns, especially with five colleges, there will be a lot of gay stuff happening and a lot of nightlife, but you're saying the gay life is mostly on campus, but off campus, there's not much there. Yeah, not much there except that queer bar slash nightclub. They have themed nights. Um, accordingly with theme nights, there's local queer talent and local artistry that really um, enlivens the space at any given time. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha. So there's an there's a active community. Um, but the, there may not be a lot of bars and nightlife. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, as you know, I like to be able to expose people to new gay communities because people don't always know what gay life is like everywhere. So it's good to know a little bit more about Western Mass and Amherst area. But now let's get into some hot topics, okay? Oh, that's hot. Okay. Actually, go ahead. If I may add, Northampton. I- is known historically to be a it's it's known to be quote unquote the lesbian mecca um back in the 80s it was just riveting with the lesbians and it's still it's still it still takes claim today there's a lot of younger um people who identify with that and associate northampton with that vibe there's a lot of zines available Uh, smith is also right there in northampton 
Um, yeah, back in the day, there used to be a restaurant across the street from Smith, the Grotto, and it was literally lesbian central or something <laughs> like that. Oh, so that's interesting. Yeah. You were holding back. so And I guess when I said gay, it probably gave the impression of just like gay male stuff. But I mean, like queer in general. And so um, I probably should actually ask that question differently in the future. Um, but the, that's, and that could really say a lot for why the town dynamic are the way that it is. Because lesbians, you know, historically, um, don't go out as much as gay men do um, for a variety of reasons. In part, you know, there are some who say because they tend to nest and have couples. There are some who point out how there's um, economic disparities with, with lesbians and so many other different reasons why there's a different nightlife that happens there. Um, so interesting. So say more about the lesbian um, scene that you're aware of in Northampton. Yeah, well, the grotto is no longer. I was I wanted to reference that, and because the Majestic Saloon is in Northampton, and that's the queer spot, if you will, for folks who want to have a night out into in the town and want to frequent a place right. that is queer friendly, gay friendly, and it's the primary place to be. Um, that's a that's the spot. But the but the lesbian community is still. You said it's, it's still pretty. It's still there. It's still a, yeah, for sure. Yeah, got you. So, so there's so the very so it's very residential. People they get together probably like in homes with friends, um, and that in those ways more so than your typical like raging, um, like party scene. I would say so. Yeah, got you. Okay, that's good to know. So let's get into, <laughs> let's get into some hot topics. Okay. Oh, that's hot. All right. Um, I know you've been driving um, cross country um, to come back home after college. Um, but by any chance did you, were you able to catch the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race? Okay, actually, so um, I tuned into the RuPaul's Drag Race season 12 last episode and congrats Miss Jada Essence Hall on the victory and taking the crown. Yes, um, so my question, I mean, I was a Jada fan. I'm glad that she won. I felt that she won, I called it. And I called Miss Congeniality as well. I thought that it would be Heidi. Love her. Yeah, Heidi is cool. But my question is, what do you think about the finale remotely? You know, typically it's in this big theater with performances and everything else. But in this case, they have to really adapt drag for um, TV. And had even one part of the drag competition was just focused on their mouths and how closely they got the words to the, the song. What are your thoughts about that? True. I think that's a great observation. Not only was the, did the drag need to be adapted, the drag was adapted because the deliverance was adapted given the circumstance that we're in. Mm-hmm. So um, it was creative. And I think, like, not creative in the sense... No, it was creative. It was creative. It was creative, yeah. So it was, it was definitely creative. And I think that when we think of... Queer artistry, queer creatives, this was definitely something that was not going to stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are in Pride Month, so shout out to everyone. And um, it's Pride Month, so yeah, yeah I think things are looking very different um, across for all. Um, specifically with the grand finale, I think that... Um, the focal point or the emphasis on the on the lip sync mm-hmm. was, I think it was different. It was something different. Yeah, for sure. 
I mean, it was very different. And I was, because typically I think we don't really think about that part of the lip sync from drag queens. But if you think about it, if a drag queen is totally off from what the words are, then you might not connect in the same way. So the lip sync being accurate is an important part of the process. But then the second one, when they had their performance, when they did it on their own, and it, and like Gigi did the thing with the Take On Me video, which is like one of the iconic videos of all time, and able to do that um, in her apartment. And then Crystal did the thing when I like a bird, with like the bird and the screens and everything. I thought those were... That was neat. Crystal's um, bird cameo. I think that was really... Out of the box. Very out of the box. What I would have done, though, if I was her, at some point, I would have bust through the the through the whole prop thing and been, like, mm-hmm. in a whole different outfit. Like, I'm like a bird. Like a phoenix flying from the, from, rather from the ashes kind of a thing. And then I thought that Jada's performance, um, while she didn't have the most creative background, she was really saying, I'm going to give you, it's like what we all do at home, what we're all doing right now at home. We're performing for ourselves, for our imaginary audiences in our living rooms. And that's what she did. Snaps to that. Yeah, I think one of the judges um, referred to that Jada's moment as inhabiting the song mm-hmm. and really maximizing the, the use of space, her mm-hmm. physical space to accentuate what she wanted mm-hmm. in the deliverance of the song, which really came through. The other thing that's been transformed because of the moment we're in is protesting, um, and yes, you know. So you know, you're a, you've been a, a involved in a lot of activism from high school through your through um, through through your adulthood, and I'm kind of curious your thoughts on um, the protest movements in the you know in a time of coronavirus. Yeah, protesting is important. Protesting will always be important, and I think that. Activism is definitely taking a different form. We've seen a couple of rising trends if we look back the last few years where the prominence that the digital platform has availed, people really benefiting from it, organizations really launching and taking to it and having to adapt given the populations or people that they serve and really looking at social media as a place to convene and gather in it for justice, really. And um, yeah, no justice, no peace. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something that's hailing right now. And I think something really, really cool about the social media angle or what social media is making available for people um, globally is the access to witness, to be, to hold space, and to really view the global dynamics and how people, communities, and social movements are taking place globally across across issue areas and across the presentation of, of the issue. Well, definitely, I especially feel that there is a change in how the news is covering it because of all this um, citizen journalism that we're seeing, where it's able to push back against the dominant narrative that could easily take hold. Because people said, no, I was there. This is what I saw. Here are my videos. Here are my pictures. And I feel like throughout the, throughout the Trump presidency, most of the protests have not been met with a lot of police um, brutality. Like the women's marches have been, you know, very well organized. And most of the drama has been amongst, you know, 
ourselves, people talking about the, you know, the organizers not condemning this or not condemning that, but there has been a lot of um, police um, presence to really create problems. But now with these protests, we're seeing, we saw yesterday, we saw the, the alleged president, you know, basically like flash bomb and tear gas a peaceful audience just to do a, a photo op. Um, and, and so as a result, where people are really know how to use the technology, um, like there's there's so many different ways, and the message is getting out there to be able to in a very great way. So you raise a very good point about that about that. Yeah, and I think these protests. It's important for us to name it and to acknowledge what it is. This protest that are currently happening is not only a it's not only righteous angst and righteous anger towards the 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 powers that be or the systems that are holding back more prominent future justice. It's black death and witnessing that and the way that it's happening and it's been demonstrated. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah. And it's, it's just, it's, it's come, it's become too, um, too commonplace, if you will. Hey there, citizens. Can you do us a solid? Can you subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform or as many as you want and give us a five-star rating? That will really help. Love you dearly. Smoochies. So I mentioned that you have been um, an activist for a while. I'd love for you to share a little bit about your youth activism and um, and what inspires you to um, be involved and as much as you have been. Yeah, definitely. Youth activism is important. Activism is key. And I think that there are issue areas that really inspire people more than others. And I think that that's really great. Um, Definitely, if there is an issue that you care about, find your local community organization to volunteer at, find a local group to support, find a local cause to take away with. And for me, my activism has really revolved around youth empowerment, community, mobilizing community justice around ending the criminalization of black and brown communities, working class communities, ending poverty, improving the quality of life and bringing bringing about change that is just necessary. On the grassroots level, of course. So can you give something, a a specific example of thing that's something that you've done or been involved with? Yeah, um, there's been a couple of different, a couple of different issues, primarily with um, raising the profile of queer and trans, queer and trans youth, queer and trans justice in education reform, along with ending the criminalization of, of students with the interaction of the police district, not the police district, but I guess in this case, Los Angeles and the way that the police enforcement interacts with issues that probably should, they should not probably be interacting with mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. We've had a couple of victories in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, there sure. is the um, amendment of municipal code 4504, which is a truancy ticket that was a way to criminalize youth on their way to school or at any given moment. Also with the boys and men of color coalition, brothers and selves, an initiative that really focused on shrinking the gap and bridging opportunity for young men of color um, and bringing about the Student Bill of Rights with the local school district here. 
aka the Los Angeles Unified School District, and having that be a representative model for other cities to emulate in their circumstance or their lay of the land. I love it. And so then, as so then you um, you you were a student activist while you were in, in high school. Then you became a professional organizer um, after um, high school, and then you went to college. Um, what did you study? And um, what are you going? To, what, what did you study? Yeah, I studied literature, history, and queer studies. I like to think that I studied community partnerships for social change. I studied words, and I studied literature, and really inspiring, um, inspiring work across um, history and literature and queer theory, queer studies. I love that. And what was it like finishing up school during the pandemic? Because you were on campus, um, and the and the pandemic struck. So what? So walk me through that process from like the first day um, they let it be known on campus that, that something's going to be. There was a big deal, um, and a change would happen. What was the first thing that they told you? Yeah, I think that the way the news was received, the way the news was delivered around the unprecedented pandemic, unprecedented Mm -hmm. coronavirus, and the way that it came about, it was disastrous almost, and really trying to figure out what the school was going to do, what students were going to do, what everybody was going to do, because nobody is exempt from the coronavirus. Nobody is exempt by, by the by the um, by the way that it can really um, impact affect your affect a life or lives mm-hmm. so i think that there was word that you people were just um the school was very proactive in helping students get home helping students who needed to stay stay so helping. so before that so backing up so at what point did they tell you okay there will be no more in-person class. Uh, I think that was probably earlier, um, earlier on, or maybe a couple months after. Uh, a couple, uh, excuse me, a couple of weeks after Smith College announced that they were going to go remote. So was that and February or March? I think it was Feb. Okay. So then, after the point where they said they're going to go remote, they said you're going to be remote but still be on campus, or did that come? At the same time that you do they were- only for a small number of students it came after not at the same time it came after where there was an identified smaller population that needed to stay on campus for whatever reason and exactly. so at the beginning it was we're going remote you have to leave campus yeah and i think it should be understood that while classes were remote while work was happening remote that um facilities were not available so if you needed to get some books from the library, if you needed to access something, you needed to do that probably as quickly as possible because things just became unavailable and you had to complete, completely rely on internet resources or anything that are soft copies on the internet or through the, the, the consortium resources. What about books? So if you have books to read and kind of because oftentimes... Um, professors would give readings that are not books that they'd have you buy at the beginning of the semester, the books you have to get from the library. So how did that happen? 
Yeah, so um, having to find a, a internet copy online through the library, and if it was a physical copy, I think that people try to work the best with the professor. And unfortunately, I think that because the library was closed and if you, if that was the primary source that you wanted to use, you would have to purchase that online or have your library purchase it for you. Mm. Interesting. Oh, wow. So, so they would purchase books for you? Yeah. I think that, that by case by case, of course. Interesting. And so then for, and I guess, so for oftentimes for seniors, you have to write a thesis or, or, or some major paper, which requires research um, and, 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 with, and with sometimes pr primary documents and everything else. Did you have to write a thesis? Yeah, so I, my senior year, I wrote a thesis, a year-long project, and I also took a, a class each semester. One was a literature class at Amherst, another, well, both were at Amherst, actually, but towards the final semester, um, this past spring, I was finishing up my, my thesis. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my research phase was, took place the, that fall, previous to oh. this spring. So that's good. Yeah. So you're able to get that out of the way before it got crazy. Yeah. And then you, um, so then you mentioned that um, after they first made the announcement about going remote, and people have leave, people have leave campus, campus, they let a small number of students stay on campus. Um, and you were part of that small group for Hampshire. So what was that Correct. like? What was that like? I think in the beginning, it was more, it was isolation. It mm -hmm. was very limited. It was very closed. And I think that, a lot of the information that was unraveling was in real time and people having to regulate their behavior, regulate their actions and having to regulate their physical movements um, in a particular way, which oftentimes is, it was limiting TBH mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. people were having to keep to their dorms. I was living in a mod, which is an on-campus apartment with a few friends and most of them left um, quite immediately. One stayed a couple of weeks before finishing off and just went home. And I was alone in almost a six, um, I think it was a four person, five person mod. And it was very different. Yeah. Fortunately enough that there was more students on campus who were, had their roommates there. So that was good. Yeah. Well, that'll be hard. Cause I mean, I'm in a, a, a modest size one bedroom and I'm always like, what's that noise? What's that? What's that? I can't imagine being in some place like for four to six people and all those and all the empty space and there by yourself. And if the whole building is the same thing, that must be yeah. so scary. Um, and then you didn't get a chance to have um, those like end of college experiences with your friends. How do you feel about that? No. <laughs> there's there's that part right mm -hmm. um i think that was something that was missing um something that was felt and something that just was not part of 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 my experience and probably for um fellow graduates of this of the spring during the 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 pandemic mm -hmm. so like was there any attempt either 
by the senior class itself or the by the, the college to try to help you to create some of those experiences virtually? Yeah, there was a few. Mm-hmm. Again, key key. I think the key the the key way that it was done was around the virtual experience and mm-hmm. having maximizing the the internet and the online applications to imitate something that usually would happen in person. That's hard. I remember, like when I graduated college, one of my favorite memories is when the day they posted the list of the people who were actually graduating outside the provost mm-hmm. office. I mean, I was pretty certain I was going to graduate, but I had one required class that was, I did well in, but I didn't do the homework. I didn't realize how much the homework was part of the grade. And then for the final exam, I was the first one to finish like really early. And I'm like, well, I think I did a good job, but if I didn't, I'm not going to graduate. And I was like, my mama is coming here. And if I'm not walking that stage, it's going to be some stuff. So I didn't want to. So when I saw my name, I I never really drank in college. But I, I remember a friend of mine was like, Vincent, do a keg stand. It was a party that night. Like, Vincent, yeah. do a keg stand. I did a keg stand. I remember being very drunk. And the next morning, my friend Sharon was like, oh, that night, she's like, I'll, I'm going to take you home. I'll stay in a room with you because I don't want you to get um, to, to drown in your own vomit somehow. So it was like, I mean, that's like a messy story of like around graduation, but like those moments you remember. And we, to this day, um, you know, two years later, we still laugh about, <laughs> we still laugh about those moments. And then graduation, you also didn't get to walk the stage graduation for graduation in your family didn't get to really um, celebrate you in that moment. What what did they do for graduation? And will there be a plan for a, an in-person celebration in the future? Yeah, there was a virtual commitment ceremony that took place on the day graduation was actually supposed to take place, mm-hmm. the 16th of May. And we, we had a, a postpone or graduation to come in the month of October to align with the 50th anniversary of the college. Mm. We are a fairly young college, so that was a great resolution to resolve not being able to have an in-person graduation given the circumstance. Wow, so so what's next for you? So, (laughs) great question. Um, I... Relocated to my hometown, Los Angeles. I'm so glad to be back. As you mentioned, I definitely took advantage of the opportunity and not interacting with air travel and decided to do a cross country trip out of graduation and took a six day trip across the country through the middle mm-hmm. and Passed by a couple of states, had a couple of stops from Amherst to Los Angeles. Oh, nice. And so what is it like looking for a job in the middle of a pandemic um, and a near depression-like economic downturn, um, riots and protests around the country? <laughs> what's, what's it like looking for a job among all that? I think... Looking for a job amongst the current 
political, social climate. Mm-hmm. I it's a bit different, but it's not, probably not as different as other moments in history in past decades. Um, you mentioned the depression. You mentioned this, but I think um, for now, um, being not optimistic, definitely being proactive, submitting, um, sharing, and expressing my interests to organizations, foundations, and to places where I would be able to contribute to the mission and to maximize through my through my position. Gotcha. Well, no. It is different than past times. This is yeah, right. There's nothing like what we're going on right now. Because even when there was a Great Depression, there was not also there was the right before the Great Depression. There was a pandemic, but there wasn't a pandemic and a depression and um, national unrest um, of this order we're having now. We've had each of those things individually at different times, but never all together. So this is a much different time period. So, um, but it's good that you have optimism to be able to still, um, you know, to, to, to still be, to still look forward. Are you, as a recent college grad, are you eligible for a lot of the um, programs and assistance that's been made available through the, um, for, through the pandemic, uh, through CARES and that kind of stuff? Yes. I the CARE Act was uh, CARES was definitely a great way to s- support students with a stimulus check of a sort outside of the stimulus checks that were circulating across the country. So you got the stimulus check. Are you eligible for the unemployment assistance or the pandemic unemployment assistance? I would need to look into that. I haven't looked into that. Well, you should look into that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but I think I think, it, I think you have to have had work though in the past. So if you if you if you were a student who didn't work, then it wouldn't benefit you. But if you're a student who did work, then you should be eligible for it. Because even like for big workers, it gives them access to it too. Now they didn't have before. Yeah, I think that I have thought about this. I was a student who worked in Western Mass, except I relocated to Los Angeles after. So I'm not sure if the state difference would matter in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will definitely look into that. We should, for sure. And then to switching gears, so we have a segment on the podcast, as you know, called What Would You Do? Where I give you a scenario and I ask you, what would you do? Are you ready? So in this scenario, you have gone through all you've gone through, but you're not a college senior. You were a college junior. And they told you at the end of the semester that definitely for the fall semester, it's going to be online. And, and they weren't sure yet about the next, about if the whole year will be online, but the fall semester would definitely be online. However, they're not saying they're going to change the cost of tuition. What would you do? That is a great question. And that's definitely something that has been on the mind of many students who are disappointed, for lack of better words, around having to pay the same tuition and not having some of the physical aspects that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it would really depend what that would look like and how that would be 
made available or even though if it's fully remote are books going to circulate how are we going to get our learning materials outside of the classroom space the classroom space is so important sometimes um, for people whose education revolves around the classroom space or an art studio or the dance room or a lab <laughs> a lab mm-hmm. the science lab yeah definitely and it's interesting you have a, one of my one of my closest friends her daughter goes to an expensive private school and she happens to be on the board and I was and I said so are they expecting you guys to pay the same amount of money for she said yeah I said what about next year she said well we haven't gotten that check yet. I mean, we haven't gotten that bill yet, but when the bill comes, it'll be a conversation for sure. <laughs> Definitely. I can share that. I think that the Hampshire in specific is looking at, it is a residential campus and it is looking at welcoming a, a fall class this upcoming fall. But in the scenario of mm, going fully remote, like some state schools are doing, I think that that would be that would be definitely a conversation or what that would look like. Yeah. So you mean so the students will be on campus, but they won't go to class. I think that that's one of that was one of the possibilities, but probably not. No, I. Yeah, no. As far as I'm aware, there is plans to still have the class time and also the. Uh, regular discourse mm-hmm. given the circumstance. Citizens, what would you do in this scenario? We want to know. Go to the Quarantine and Chill podcast page on Instagram and take part in our poll in the story, or even post a response in your own story. Make sure to add us or to tag us, and we will share it. So interesting. So did you? I'm just curious. I did. I know one big part of the. The, res- the residential college experience is, you know, having the study groups and having the conversations with friends over lunch and dinner, um, having the late night conversations in the dorms. You were online, but people were still connected in some way. Or, or not, as my question really is, did you have those kind of moments even though you guys weren't together? Yes, I yeah. had to, I had a couple of virtual study dates and probably similar to having things that I would do out in in person, having those take place on the online platform also. Okay, gotcha. Okay, great. So what advice would you give to college students who are going back to school in the fall or in the summertime, but online? I would say go on, especially for queer and trans people. Yeah, go on. And with a proactive mindset and finish off and do what you need to do and utilize all your resources that are available to you, all your connections and make the most out of it. Love it. Where can people find you on the socials or online if they want to say, hey? Hi, yes. Um, okay, so, yeah. Um, oh, okay. So, I've actually been off of social media for a couple of years now. And I recently yeah. got back. On, yeah, I recently got back on social media 
So I joined um, Instagram and I'm there. So if folks want to say hi, um, definitely do so on Instagram. My, my handle is Hughes of Being, H-U-E-S-O-F-B-E-I-N-G. Oh, I like that. And why weren't you on social media? I thought millennials and Gen Zers loved social media. Yeah, I took the brave step of taking a step back, actually, and <laughs> removing myself from social media and removing myself from all platforms. And I decided to go rejoin the internet space um, recently. So, yeah. Well, that's very fascinating. And my last question for you is, um, what is one thing you would, one thing you know now that you wish you would have known before the pandemic started? I'm an advocate for mind-body practices. And one thing that I know now that I wish I would have known then would definitely be to find your feng shui and center yourself amongst the the chaos around and this too will pass this too shall pass and get it done so were you out of balance at the beginning of all this zombie apocalypse mess yes yeah and how did you get back into balance well being reflective tr- keeping to doing active stuff as much as I could. There was definitely a period where I wasn't even sure if I should probably be going on a walk or I should probably be doing this and keeping to the confinement of the dormitory. Mm. And it was definitely a process, a slow process, even a gradual process to start taking walks outside, being in close proximity to another human being in close proximity to the outside space or even figuring out what does having um, daily provisions look like. Yeah, it was very difficult and challenging to do that. I'm glad that the campus was supportive to the best possible way. Right. Um, Yeah. That's very good. Very good. Well, I am... um, Congratulations again on graduating. I'm very proud of you. I know graduating yes, yes. from college is, I mean, I feel like when people graduate from high school, while that's a, a reason to be, to, to, be, to be happy and proud of somebody, I also believe, that, I also believe you're, supposed to, you're supposed to do that. Um, but not everyone um, goes to college. And um, I think you were very, because um, people listening don't know, I've known, um, we've known each other for many, many years, and I've seen him grow up from a, a young baby gay, a young baby queer, into the to a less young baby queer. <laughs> it was always fabulous and phenomenal, so I'm glad to see um, you blossom over these years, and looking forward to seeing what you do um, now that you have a college degree um, behind your name. So until next time, everyone, this is Vincent Jones with Quarantine and Chill. Remember, Black Lives Matter. 
Gracias. Toda oba. ni. Obrigado. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Quarantine and Chill, a creation of yours truly, Vincent Jones and Citizen Jones Travel. Much love to the amazing Ben Salk, who produces, edits, and makes all the music for the podcast. If you love this episode, please like and leave positive comments on the podcast platform of your choice. You have no idea how much that helps us. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where you can learn more about today's guests and get any resources mentioned in the conversation, as well as connect with other citizens in the quarantine and chill community. Until tomorrow, this is Vincent Jones reminding you to wash your hands. Let's quarantine and chill. Chill. Chill.